Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. So good evening and welcome to Joy. It's so good to see all of your faces here tonight. I love all the Joy sweatshirts everybody's repping too. This is awesome. I just look out and see a crowd of Choose Joy and I think that's a great way to start our night. But I also wanna welcome all of those that are watching from our Hazlitt campus tonight. I wanna shout out to all of our Hazlitt girls, all of those that are watching from McKinney. We love you girls. We're so glad that you're tuning in with us. And we have a pop-up joy in Argyle. So we have hundreds of women that are in Argyle tonight and we wanna say hey to you. And then we have 600 women in our video venue here at Keller. So we just love that you are with us and that you're connecting. And we actually have dozens and dozens of watch parties tonight. So if you're hosting a watch party, thank you so much. And we are so glad that you are with us tonight. And if you're just tuning in online, I just wanna tell you we are glad that you are here with us tonight and God sees you and he wants to come and meet with you tonight. And I actually want to tell you too, there are lots of women that had tickets for tonight and they gave up their tickets so other women could be here. And I want to say thank you to you if you're watching online tonight and you gave up your ticket for somebody else. But I am so expectant about what God's going to do tonight. The Bible says in Job, this is our theme verse every year, is that he will yet fill your mouths with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. And so I know some of you came in and were going to joy, but you weren't maybe even necessarily feeling all the joy yet. But my goal for you is that he will yet, he will yet fill your mouths with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. That you might have come in here feeling heavy, but that you go out feeling light and like God's got you. So I'm excited. And so if you are a first time guest tonight to Milestone, I hope that you've felt loved and connected tonight. But more than that, um, I really want you to just to get in and really like into the life of the church because it's more than just feeling loved and, and welcomed. It's really about connecting with other women. I feel like the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that we're better together. It says two are better than one because you have a good return for your labor. If one falls down, the other one's there to pick them up. And so my goal for you tonight is to get connected, to jump in uh, to the life of the church here at Milestone. But... Um, I love the story about Jennifer who went to Joy, I think it was last year for the first time, and she had been coming a couple of Sundays with her husband at our Haslett campus, and somebody invited her to Joy, so she came, and she got saved two weeks before she gave birth to her baby. And then she and her husband kept coming and he got saved and then they ended up going through the growth track and now she leads in hospitality and he helps in the next gen setup and they've dedicated their baby and all the things and now she's serving with joy. And I love Diddy's story. Diddy's in McKinney and her, la- her first experience was last joy. She got invited by a friend, she came. Then she and her family started coming together, got plugged in and all of that. And now Diddy this year is actually one of the major people in their church that are is helping to put on joy. So I'm like, Diddy just got in there and jumped in. But I love what Diddy said. She said, what I loved about joy is the same thing I love about Milestone. It's the community. She said, you have genuine people who are eager to know Jesus and then show other people the love of God so they can know Jesus too. 
And that is our goal tonight. Diddy, you've got it. That's awesome. And so we're so thankful that not only can you come, but you can get plugged in and that you can know Jesus and help others to know Jesus. But if you have your Bible tonight, you probably don't since we're at a women's event, but you could turn to Judges 6 or on your mobile device. Um, And we'll come back to that in a minute. But how many of you know that this is the most wonderful time of the year, but it's also the busiest time of the year? Anybody have a choir concert for their kids this week? Work parties, I mean, people just start making up stuff to do because it is the most wonderful time of the year. It's like, this is a great time to have a party and eat sweets. We don't get to do this the rest of the year. We're gonna live it up, right? So lots of obligations. So I know we're not here because we don't have anything better to do. But how many of you are ready? Not like ready in your heart, but how many of you have like done all of your decorating for Christmas and you've bought all of your gifts? Oh my goodness, we have a few overachievers in here. It's less and less every year, okay. Um, How many of you had all of your decorating for Christmas done before Thanksgiving? We will have ministry time at the altar for you after service. One holiday at a time, one holiday at a time. But you know, as, as my kids get older, I have all my decorating done because I'm telling you right now, if there was a season, if every season had twinkle lights, I would just leave twinkle lights up in my house all the time. Somebody says, oh, they have too many lights. I'm like, who could have too many twinkle lights? Like twinkle lights make me happy. I don't know what it is, but they just make me happy. So I have all my decorating done, have my lights on all the time. And um, I love all that, but I haven't quite finished all my shopping because you know, when your kids get older, like they're all adults, They want things and you wanna get it right, but you know, you don't wanna admit it, okay? You know, you think you're cool and you can get it right, but you know you're just not that cool. And you're gonna get it almost right, but it'll be completely wrong because it's only almost right. (laughs) Y'all understand that? Is that my crazy? Okay, so I get kind of stressed out with buying the gifts and I kind of get like paralyzed about it, you know, like ah. But I always love to see people that are worse at it than me. Right? So I love Jimmy Fallon's hashtags, worst Christmas gift ever, because it always makes me feel better about myself. One of them said, one year I unwrapped a gift for my parents and it was Rogaine. My mom said, it's time to face reality, son. Your gift is the truth. That's so bad. Oh. It said, one year for Christmas, I gave my husband an electric guitar. He gave me windshield wiper refills. <laughs> so thoughtful. You, you shouldn't have, really. You shouldn't have. I didn't even know there were refills for that. I would not have one idea what to do with that. Oh, it says in 1985, when everybody was getting Teddy Ruxpins, I got the lesser known bingo bear that didn't talk unless you actually pushed a button inside its mouth. (laughs) And this one, I don't even know what to do with this one. One year, my mom cut out all the eyes from my sister's old childhood toys so she could give them to the dogs. But then when she wrapped them, which what? Who wraps their dog's presents? If you do, don't even raise your hand. She forgot to label it, and so her sister opened all her childhood toys with no eyes. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. So there are, I'm, I feel like I'm winning at this point. I feel like I'm winning, so. Um, but I also love to see what were the popular gifts throughout the decades. And I will tell you, as I go back and look, I am so surprised how many of these things that we, our kids still love. And it started in the 1950s, and the best and the most popular gift was the potato head. Mr. Potato Head, there it is. Is that the creepiest thing you've ever seen in your life? They've come a long way with Mr. Potato Head. Oh my goodness, I think I would've had nightmares with Mr. Potato Head. And then in the 1960s, still relevant today, the Barbie Dream House, right? And they invented Ken that year. I love that it says, Ken, he's a doll. But I feel like it's mildly inappropriate. We should probably take that down, but I do wish I had legs like Ken. In the 1970s, I like this one. It was the cheapest gift, I think, of all the decades. It was the Rubik's Cube, right? We still do that. We still love the Rubik's Cube. And then in the 1980s, the not-so-cheapest gift of all time, the Cabbage Patch Kid. Oh, yeah, you know. If you're a girl of the 80s tonight, if you got a doll and her honey was signed with Xavier Roberts, you know your mama fought somebody for that doll. People were punching each other out. It was crazy. And then in the 1990s, it was the Tickle Me Elbow. It was like the Cabbage Patch Kid of the 90s, right? Oh, my goodness. And then, man, the gifts just keep getting more expensive through the decades. And then in 2020, it was the Xbox. Y'all remember that? Still, that's still going. And then the 2010, the AirPods. Now, does anybody get frustrated with this whole AirPod thing? I think they're meant to be lost. I mean, my kids, it's like one Christmas. You want AirPods? Okay well, okay, well, we'll invest in that. Then the next year, well, I lost one of my AirPods this year. Can I get AirPods again? No. No, you can't. But I do love Christmas, and I do love giving gifts, and it's a lot of fun to see what we've done in the past and getting ready for all the things now. I love wrapping. I love all the things. But one thing I do love, like I said, is I love to decorate. I love lights. I love twinkle lights. I love every bit of it. But I always love to see, I like to take a poll every year and see who likes white lights. Who, you're the white light people. Okay, lots of white light people. Okay. Uh, how many of you do the multicolored lights? Yeah, not quite, as, not quite as many, but we know who the fun people are in the room tonight. I, you know, there's something, I've, I'm way too invested in white lights at this point, but I just love the nostalgia of the like really soft multicolored lights of my youth, you know? So there's times I wanna change, but my kids won't let me at this point because I've gotten them on all the white lights and stuff. But when my kids were little, we used to always love to put the lights out. And when I say we, now that's a lie because there's one person in my house that did not love to put lights up. He's amazing, I love him. He's my favorite person on the planet. I just wanna start with that. <laughs> but at Christmas time, when it comes to do the lights, he is the Grinch. <laughs> Ball humbug, he hates to do the lights. But you know why? Because every year when you go to get the lights, everybody's excited and you go to get the lights out and they look like this right here. And you're like, wait a second, I remember putting these up in such an organized way and then you get them out and they're like a big tangled mess. And you spend an hour just going through all of these lights, 
trying to untangle them, and then you go to plug them in, and the little lights aren't twinkling. <laughs> Why? Because if one light's out, they're all out. Exactly. So one year, actually, <laughs> we had we'd put all the lights in the yard. You know, the worst attitudes come out. Everybody gets excited, but the worst attitudes come out when you actually do it. Put all the lights in the bushes, all the lights in the, in the yard and all of that. And my husband was like, you know, whatever. And so there was some lights that had broken. And I was like, babe, there's some lights that are broken and they really need fixed. I mean, it's kind of like, doesn't look great, you know. And so he tells Caleb, Caleb was little. He said, Caleb, go out there and change out those light bulbs. So it was raining, so, and they were plugged in, so Caleb went out there to change out the light bulbs and got the shock of his life. <laughs> Literally got electrocuted. <laughs> totally winning. But just as an update, Caleb is a grown adult. He's doing fine. He's a little twitchy, but it's no big deal. <laughs> it's all, all good. But maybe, on a more serious note, maybe tonight you say, well, you know what, my lights have gone out and it has nothing to do with decorations. You know, maybe um, there's just been, there's so much at this time of the year that brings out things in us that we just, we start pondering, you know. But Matthew 5, 15 says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel or a bowl, but on a candlestick so that it can give light to the whole house. So why did I actually start joy? Because I know that as women, if the enemy can attack our joy, then we can affect our entire household. And so my goal is that we as women, we don't, well, how do you say, it? You, we come here and so sometimes you come to church and you feel like I need to look like I have it all put together and like I have everything and you know, and I wouldn't want anybody to know that I'm struggling. If you're struggling here tonight, we wanna know because we wanna help you. I wanna encourage you in the Lord and tell you that it doesn't have to be that way and you don't have to stay down. That God wants to come in and he wants to meet you and he wants to restore your joy. And maybe if just for a moment tonight, during this time that we have together, you would just let come, God come in and just speak to your heart and maybe just start making some little changes and really telling you who you are and what you are and that you don't have to believe the lies of the enemy. And maybe if you could just let him come in, that maybe our light that's been a little bit hidden under all of the things that we feel like we're not and all of the places that we feel like we fail and all the places where we feel like we don't measure up, maybe that would just ignite that spark and that light that we could put in our household and it would change the entire atmosphere of our house, which is actually what we're gonna care about the most. So that is my prayer for you tonight. So, but the enemy does come and attack our joy and maybe tonight you do have feel like you've lost your joy. Maybe you feel like, you know, you can't live up to the expectations this time of year because it can be a lot, you know, buying all the gifts and the white elephant things and all the different, you know, and throw a party and wear a sweater and, all, you know, it's just like, ah, there's so many expectations. Maybe you experienced a divorce this year or your marriage is struggling or your kids are struggling. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you think another year's passed and I'm just not in the place that I'd hope to be and you're comparing yourself to some other girl that you don't really know, you just see on the outside of what her life looks like but you're comparing your life and you're getting down. Maybe you feel like your life's just diminished. Maybe you can't even put your finger on it but you just feel mildly depressed or anxious and not sure how to get your joy back or your light back. But God knows where you're at tonight. Not the cleaned up, dress for church version of you, but he knows the 
messy, emotional, hot mess version of you and he loves you and he wants to come and meet with you tonight. He knows where you're at, he sees you and he loves you. If you're at Argyle tonight, I want you to know God sees right where you're at. At Haslett, God wants to come and meet with you. McKinney, God loves you. He knows where you're at. If you're in our video venue, God sees where you're at. He wants to come and be with you and encourage you. You know, the Bible refers to Jesus. We, it's funny, only, it's really only around Christmas time that we even use this word for God, but his, one of his names is Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. And that's good news of great joy because God is with us tonight. And he wants to come and be with you personally. It's not like he's with us. He is with us because when we are gathered together we're two or more in his, or in his midst, we, he is with us. But he wants to come and be with you. You may not realize he sees you as a woman, he sees you individually and he wants to come and be with you. And I love that God used not superstars in the Bible to show us what he could do, but he used those a lot of times that felt down and out and oppressed. And I love this story in Judges chapter six of Gideon. We can all relate. We're like Gideon. We don't really see ourselves properly. And you say, well, okay, well that's, Great for Gideon, but here's, here's what the, the angel of the Lord appears to him. Number one, let's just talk about the fact that an angel is actually appearing to Gideon. I mean, if you would think if an angel would visit me, I would respond like, oh, here I am. God, send me, use me. But Gideon's like, he said to him, the Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Now that's funny, and that shows that God has a sense of humor because Gideon was hiding out in a cave. The enemy was attacking, and he was hiding out in a cave, and God says, the Lord is with you, valiant warrior. And he was like, um, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Maybe you felt like that tonight. Like, God, if you're with me, then why has all of this happened to me? And where are all the miracles which our father told us about, saying, did the Lord not bring him up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us, and he's handed us over to Midian, which is the enemy. And the Lord looked at him and said, Go, again, go in this strength of yours. Gideon's hiding out in the cave, not feeling very strong at all, and save Israel from the hand of Midian, the enemy. Have I not sent you? But he said to him, O Lord, how am I to save Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest of my father's house. Okay, just a little sidebar here to tell you a little bit about Gideon. Sometimes you read things in the Bible, and it's like, you know, the least in Manasseh, and you're like, what does that even mean? And basically... Manasseh was a half tribe, but Manasseh was also a person, and it was Manasseh and Ephraim were brothers, and Manasseh was the oldest, Ephraim was the youngest. And back in the day, they would, the, the young men of the house would be blessed by the patriarch. And when the patriarch went to bless him, the oldest child, the oldest son, would get the right hand blessing, which was the greater blessing, and the younger son would get the left hand blessing, which is still blessed, but not the right hand blessing. But when Jacob went to bless Manasseh and Ephraim, he actually switched his hands and he gave the younger brother the greater blessing and Manasseh still blessed, but just the blessing. So Manasseh always had this kind of inferiority complex and so Gideon is like, okay, not only am I from Manasseh, I'm like, my family's like the least in Manasseh. and I'm the youngest in my father's house. So he's giving God all the reasons why he couldn't possibly do anything great. 
Have you ever felt like that? Like you feel like, man, if I could just do this, I could do that, but I can't because I've got this. Have you, okay, it reminds me of this song when you're little, maybe you've heard this, maybe you felt this way. Nobody likes me, everybody hates me. I think I'll go eat worms. (laughs) Big, fat, juicy one, I don't know. Um, (laughs) But that's basically what Gideon was saying. He was like, I don't have what it takes. Do you not know me, God? You don't know that I'm not possibly capable of that. Sometimes we just wanna feel sorry for ourselves. But the Lord said to him, I will certainly be with you and you will defeat the enemy as one man. I feel like we can relate. The enemy's taunting him, making him feel like he could never really do anything great for God, oppressing him. And I think we're a lot like Gideon. We don't really see ourselves properly. And so you say, okay, well that's great for Gideon. What does that mean for me? Well, here's the thing. Gideon had been believing a narrative in his mind that had been passed down maybe even through the generations, maybe from his father or his grandfather of this narrative of, you know, we're just not as blessed, we just don't have what, you know, and so Gideon's got this whole script in his mind of why he can't ever do anything for God, why he can't ever have, you know, any kind of victory in his life and why it's hiding out and that's just the way his life is gonna be and he's, he's got this narrative. A lot of times we... You may not even realize it, but you have a narrative in your head that you're telling yourself all the time. Well, I can't really do this because, you know, this or this, or because this is the way I was raised, or because my parents did this, or because I've disqualified myself this way, or whatever. You have this whole narrative that's built up in your head. So how do you flip the script? How do we replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of what God says about us? We have to realize that sometimes Number one, God just, he uses tough times to get our attention. Now, let me just say this. God does not cause bad things to happen, but we live in a broken world, so sometimes bad things do happen. But not all things, just hear me out, that happen are necessarily bad, even though they may feel bad at the time. I know that growing up, we, um, we moved a lot. My parents, um, for whatever reason, we just, we moved a lot. And I went in, you think you have maybe with kindergarten, 13 years of school, I went to eight different schools, which is actually very hard on a girl that was naturally a shy person, not extroverted, that didn't love change at all. And having to kind of go and put yourself out there like over and over and over again, meet new people, all of those things was really hard. And I remember, you know, fifth and sixth graders can be mean. (laughs) They're rough sometimes. And I remember crying a lot and it being really hard. I will say this though, even though I was going through hard things as a kid, and there's things that my parents couldn't help. The thing I, I love is that, you know, my, we didn't have a lot of money or, you know, we, my parents were having some financial difficulties at the time and my mom was making my clothes and I was wearing the same outfit every other day and that's, that's hard when you're changing schools and all of that. But they always had me in church. I was always in Sunday school, vacation Bible school. I tell you, it's so important, no matter what you're going through, don't ever withdraw from God, but press into God. Help your kids to press into God because it's because they had me in those atmospheres that when I was facing all of that, I learned how to go to God Don't ever take away the faith for your children. I just wanna encourage you in that because your children are learning their own faith journey from an early age. 
So let them experience that. Let them get in there and have their own faith journey because it's that that carried me through the years. And even when I was having circumstances that I didn't understand, it was in that town where I feel like I had kind of the hardest time that my mom met a woman named Kay Little. And they became best friends and prayer partners and they sold peanuts together and all kinds of fun stuff. But long after we had moved to the next town and the next town and the next town, my mom and Kay stayed friends. And fast forward seven years to where they got back together and reunited, but we kind of reunited with our families and Jeff was there and we hadn't seen each, we were both in college and we hadn't seen each other since sixth, seventh grade. And 12 months later, we were married. (laughs) You never know that you may be going through a really hard time, but you don't know what God's doing in your life during that time. You don't know what God may be setting up or he may be preparing for your future. So never despise it, but ask God how he wants to use it and what he wants to do to grow you in those times. C.S. Lewis said it like this, God whispers in our pleasures, he speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I've gone through other things. I've told told you about my arthritis journey. I had arthritis for 13 years and the doctors couldn't figure it out and I couldn't move my joints and they couldn't figure out the etymology of it. And so I was just in a lot of pain. I couldn't straighten my hands out. My kid's school was right down the street. I couldn't even walk him to school for 13 years. And then one day God just healed me. I was at a church service. They said, hey, somebody here's dealing with arthritis. Can I pray for you? Raise my hand. God healed me and I never had... God, but God is good, but it was 13 years of a lot of pain. I lost a baby in my second trimester. That's hard. It's a lot of pain, and sometimes we don't understand everything on this side of heaven, but I know that the good thing is God has given me a lot more empathy for women who are walking through health challenges or autoimmune disorders or have children that are struggling or have lost, like God uses those tough times not to just get our attention, but also to work through us and to use us to help others. Secondly, believe that God's doing something even when you don't see it. Again, kind of like I talked about a minute ago, when we cry out to God, he moves in mercy towards us. He shows up even when we feel like we've lost our joy. The thing I love is our our theme verse for joy is actually a very unlikely verse. It's out of Job. I remember when I first did it, they were like, you really want to use a verse from Job for joy? I don't know if you know much about Job, but Job is actually not a very joyful book at all. But it says in there, again, in 821, he will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. So today, I can tell you from Job's point of view, no matter what you're going through, God can redeem that and he can still fill you with, with, you know, with joy. But I also love that this verse that I'm about to read you is from Lamentations, laments, right? But it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. So today you may say, you don't know what I'm going through. It's a lot. I'm struggling with this. I have this health issue. I have this marriage issue. You don't know what's going on with my job, my finances. You don't know. I'm a single mom and you don't understand what I go through. God will not allow you to be consumed. God is with you. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. So today, if you feel like that, he is not gonna let you be consumed. His compassions for you never fail. And they're new every morning. So even when you can't see it, God is doing something and he is for you and he is working it for your good. But I also think you need to see yourself 
as God sees you. That's, that would be a good start. But sometimes I think, what does the enemy see in you that you don't see in yourself? Because I don't think that he would be working so hard to get you down if he didn't know what you were capable of. Maybe you're underestimating what God wants to do in you, but the enemy knows. He knows what you're capable of. And he comes in and he attacks. He attacks our joy. He attacks us in, the, in our security. Like we start feeling insecure in comparison with other women and all those things. And we feel like we don't have what it takes. But maybe you should see yourself like the enemy sees you and understand that he's trying to get me down because he knows that if I get healthy, if I get joy, if I get strong, there is no stopping me and I am going to love people. I'm going to thrive in my life. My children are gonna rise up and call me blessed. They're gonna love Jesus. They're gonna grow up to love Jesus. My marriage is going to be strong. My emotions are gonna be strong. My anxiety is going to dissipate because the Lord is gonna fill me with his joy. So maybe you need to see yourself the way the enemy sees you and rise up. But this one I feel like is one of my, I think is one of the most important things that you can do just in life. It's very practical. And it's take time to be in God's presence. And you say, Brandy, what, what do you mean like take time to be in God's presence? How do you do that? It's, it sounds very spiritual, but it's actually just a commitment. And sometimes it's not a feeling, but the feeling follows the commitment. So every morning I get up and the first thing I do, and if I, if I have something, I know we say, well, I'm busy, I work, I have to get my kids to school, I have to do this, I don't have time. You don't have time not to. But I know I'm busy, I have things too. So I know if I have something, if I have to work, if I have a meeting, if whatever, I'll get up 45 minutes earlier than I normally do so that I can spend time, or pickleball, I will, <laughs> keeping it real, um, I will get up and get in his word. And I'll tell you right now, I get this Bible right here. This Bible that looks like a grandma Bible, because I am a grandma now, by the way, so that's appropriate. But my husband gave me this Bible, so I had this cover so it doesn't get messed up. But every morning, I get in my chair, the same chair, I think we have a picture of it, I get in my chair, I have my Choose Joy coffee mug with my coffee with oat milk because I'm a girl of creature of habit. And I have my soft blanket and I have my lamp turned on, the shades just that, you know. And I literally open this Bible before I do anything else except get my coffee because I read the Bible better when I have coffee. <laughs> I have my pink highlighter in here. I have my black gel pen. I mean, I am ready and I keep this Bible right there by that chair. So every morning, because this Word, his word is life to me. I can't, I can't be a good woman, a good wife, a good mom, a good friend without his word. I can't face the things that I have to face without his word. So I start off in his presence every day. What do I do practically? Brandy, well, what do you read? You just open the Bible and it's like a potluck dinner, like you just, whatever you get, you get. <laughs> oh, no, I, I get really practical about it. And so I read a book in the New Testament and a book in the Old Testament every, or not a book, a chapter in the New Testament and Old Testament. So right now, just practically, I'm in, I just finished up the book of John and now I'm doing the book of Luke. So every day I read a chapter in Luke 
And then I read a chapter in the Old Testament. Right now I'm doing Isaiah. So I read a chapter in Isaiah. If you say, Brandy, well, if I was gonna do that, where would I start? I would start in the book of John and I would start in the book of Proverbs for the Old Testament. And I would read Proverbs and then I would read it all the way through and then I would read it again and I would read it all the way through and then I'd read it again. Because Proverbs, you wanna know how to handle a situation in life? Read Proverbs. Put it on your kid's mirror. Tell it to your kids. Every time they do something, there's a proverb for that. Let me, let me, let me tell you. I used to write it, write it on their, uh, their mirror all the time. A harsh word stirs up anger, but a gentle answer turns away wrath. That's one of the proverbs. Went on the mirror to every sibling so they could see it every day. <laughs> Practically, the, his, his word is life. His word is what we live by. If we don't get in his word, we don't get in his presence. And then I pray. I just tell God, number one, how thankful I am for him and everything that he's done. Yes, I have challenges. I'll tell you about some of my challenges. But he is a good God in the midst of my challenges. Things may seem dark, but the Bible says he's the light of the world. So God is with you. He is for you. So pray. I also turn on worship music. And I just let the worship just flood my soul because we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. People say, encourage yourself in the Lord. And you're like, what does that even mean? I do that through worship. I just listen to just worship music and I just let it just fill my soul. And then I just turn whatever my worries are into worship and I just start praising the Lord because I know that he is for me and he is with me. But I do that because I'm building up faith in God, because I have a relationship with him. I know his character. I know his heart towards me because I spend time talking to him. It's very hard to have a relationship with somebody that you don't talk to. So you want to be in God's presence. And then you want to prioritize being with God's people. Sometimes you come in a room like this and you get excited and you come in here and you're like, I just feel God in a different way when I'm here. That's because you're with God's girls. Or if you come to church on the weekend with your family and it's like, we might've been fighting all the way here, but then we get here and we just feel God's presence in a different way. It's because you're with God's people. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in their midst. So when you are coming and gathering with God's people, you feel him in a different way. And also it goes back to that two are better than one because when you come in and you get connected, that when you are going through something, you have an army of other women that come in and help you. I love Taylor's story. Taylor said, joy is my favorite event. It hooked me on milestone. I went in 2021 alone and I literally couldn't stop crying. 2021 was a hard year. My cousin committed suicide in August. My aunt and grandpa passed away in the end of 2020. My sister was going through a divorce and my heart was heavy. But I went to joy because I was desperate to find joy. Milestead ended up giving me a box for my sister. When someone you know, loves on your family, it just hits differently. And I couldn't stop crying and telling her about the event. I went home and I told my husband, Justin, that this is where we're supposed to be. And I went to prepare. I love that she didn't stop at joy, but she was like, okay, I felt something. Now I wanna go on and I wanna go to prepare. Prepare's our first of the year prayer and fasting meetings that we have. And so she's like, we're gonna go. So she started praying that her husband would decide like, okay, this is my church or whatever. And she said, and I just prayed. And next thing you know, he signed us up for 101, 201 and 301 all at the same time. <laughs> and um, fast forward to this year. It's been surgeries and we thought their son had a heart condition, but then he didn't, but then her stepdad committed suicide. And she said, when I couldn't feel Jesus in it at all, our spiritual family rallied around us. And now my mom, I'm sure she's here tonight, is going to come as a, to Joy as a widow for the first time. And wherever you're at, we love you and we're glad you're here with us tonight. 
And I'm so grateful for Milestone, knowing that they will love on my mom and my sister through joy. It's seriously so incredible, and I'm so thankful I get to be part of a church that is so generous and intentional about um, reaching people. And that's from Taylor, but I wanna tell you that I am so thankful to be a part of a church where you are so intentional about reaching people and building lives, that you see a need and you feel it. Most of the time, by the time, by the time this story actually gets to me, the need's already been filled, the need's already been met, and you did it. And it's because we're better together. And when we come in and we prioritize being with God's people, it's in our hardest times and our toughest times that God's people come in and they lift us up and they help us and encourage us. And the next thing is, number four, you gotta break free from your past. Some of you could be 60 years old tonight and your past is still holding you back. You think, oh, eventually you just kind of get past your past. But I don't think so. You have to actually make a choice to break free from your past. When I look back at my past, I could think about the hard things that I went through or I could realize how God was preparing me for my future. You know, even just standing here tonight, my natural personality would never, ever do this. But God put me in a position to where I had to go into new environments all the time and meet new people and make new friends and be able to talk to people and get outside of my shell. But God, in those little moments where I'm a kid and I'm having to make new friends, he was preparing me to be a pastor's wife where I would have to meet new people every single week and talk to them. Can you imagine? But God was preparing me for my future. So, um, so not everything is always bad. God is sometimes preparing us for what he has for us, even in those tough times. But because of the hurt in Gideon's family's past, his father had stopped serving God and he set up idols. You know, sometimes we do that. We're like, if God was really for me, all these bad things wouldn't have happened. And so we just are like, you know what? I'm done with that. When we think God is not for us, that's what we do. We set up idols and you're like, Brandy, I don't have any idols in my house. Like what, am I supposed to have like little statues or what? No, our idols look different. Our idols look different. Finding our identity, sometimes we put like our identity as an idol, but finding it in social media, sometimes in our following and what people think of us and how popular we are in that or our jobs, our financial success and our abilities, our achievements, our romantic relationships. Sometimes you think in order to be successful, you have to have that relationship, even if it's an unhealthy one. Sometimes we find our identities in our children. I would say that, honestly, a lot of times our children, as amazing as they are, become our gods. They were never meant to carry that kind of weight. They were never meant to carry that kind of weight. And none of those things are bad, having a, a a husband, an amazing children, having financial success, none of that's bad, but they're very poor gods. And it's a very bad place to find your identity. But God wants us to step out and change patterns, change our history by breaking out of the old things that have held us back that God wants to do in and through us. And we say things like this, and we think this is, because the world celebrates this kind of stuff. Like, you know, I am fiercely independent. I'm a self-made woman. I can do this by myself. I've made too many mistakes to be used by God. I'm sure I could never 
have a good marriage. Everybody in my family is divorced and my marriage is struggling, so I'm probably just bound, destined for the same thing. My mom has addiction problems. It just kind of runs in my family. I may never be able to overcome this. My grandmother, my mom have struggled with depression and now I'm feeling down and I think it just, it just is what it is. I've been hurt and I'll never be able to forgive. I mean, that's a spoken word that we say, I am this. We have to break that. I have anger issues, a hot temper. It's just who I am. You have to be, you know, and then there's just things that silly that the enemy comes with this. You know, oh, well, you, you know, you can't do anything like that for God because you have to be married to do that. And then it's like, well, you're married. It's like, well, no, you have to have kids to do that. And then it goes back. It's like, well, no, you have to be single to do that. You have to be outgoing to do that. There's always something that we set up. But God meets you in the place where you just step out and say, I actually can't do it. Sometimes we just need to come to the place because we've been trying to fix it and we're just not that good at it. And we have to come to the place where we say, I actually can't fix it, but I have a God that can. I have a very big God and he can. You know, I want you to think about what God wants you to leave behind tonight. Guilt and addictions, past mistakes. Because what God called Gideon to do is he said he wanted him to burn all of the idols, all of the Asherah poles, and leave all of that behind and serve him only. And today, you say, well, what does that mean for me? It means that every excuse, every spoken thing that I've said, things that have been spoken over me that weren't from God, every inner vow that I've made, every little thing that I said, I can't, this is my destiny because of this. I will have depression because my grandmother had depression. My family's just anxious, that's how we are. My marriage is struggling. I don't even know what a healthy marriage looks like, so I'm destined for divorce. My child's struggling, I'm a terrible mom. All of those things, everything we've set up above the word of God, God wants us to take all of those things, just like he asked Gideon. He said, I want you to tear down all your idols and the Asherah poles. What does that mean? That meant that they were putting their, their trust in Baal and Asherah, which was like fertility and rain, which they thought that was their source. And he said, whatever you think it is that your source is that's not God, tear it down and burn it. And today what God wants you to do is all of those lies that you've been believing, God wants you to tear down the root of what you're believing and why you're believing it, identify those lies and say, I am not gonna live like that any longer. Whatever it is that's been holding me back from serving God, loving God, having my joy and walking in freedom, I'm cutting it down and I'm throwing it into the fire. I want you to picture it in your mind where you say, okay, you know what you're struggling with. God knows what you're struggling with today. You look at that and you say, that thing, that thing that's been holding me back, that thing that has stolen my joy, that thing that has kept me down, feeling like I can never, throwing it in the fire, throwing it in the fire, and I will never use that excuse again. Whatever that word that was spoken over you that you may not ever amount to anything, or you could never do that, or you're not any good, or whoever spoke that to you, it's a lie. You're a child of God, and he loves you. He created you in his image. He is with you, and he wants to He wants to be the Lord of your life. So anything 
that is telling you anything different than what God says about you, we have to tear that down. We have to tear that thought. We have to take it captive to the obedience of Christ and say, I am not gonna live like that anymore. I'm gonna step out on his word and I'm gonna believe everything he says about me and I'm gonna walk in freedom tonight because that's how we have joy is we understand what God knows about us. You know, I've had some of my greatest joys this year. My grandson was born this year. You know he's cute. I mean, everybody thinks their kids are cute, but you know, you can't help but smile if you see that picture right there. He is cute. I, I, that just, I can't even, I'm grinning from ear to ear because he's so cute. And he's a pumpkin. But you know what? I've also faced some of my greatest challenges this year. And sometimes we think, well, if something good's happening, but then all of a sudden something bad is happening that, you know, I don't understand. Like, why can this be going so right and this be going so wrong? But I know this year, I just felt like I was in just a shroud of darkness. Like the enemy just came to steal my joy. You know, I was about the same time that Samuel, my grandson, was born. My dad was diagnosed with um, an aggressive, metastasizing cancer of his parotid gland. And um, it was, you know, they said, you know, this isn't, this isn't good. We need to get on this as soon as possible. So what do I do? I start getting in my own strength and thinking about how I can fix it and what I can do. And I started looking up all the best surgeons and all the best oncologists and all the things. And okay, what am I gonna do? And you say, you, you get it, me and my mom talked about it, we decided, and we're in the hospital room and we're praying for the surgeon because his tumor was so big, it was wrapped around all the nerves in his face and they were pretty sure he would have facial paralysis after this and we were praying that it wasn't metastasized. So we're in the waiting room, we're just waiting, we're praying, and while we're waiting in the waiting room for my dad to finish, be finished with his surgery, my mom gets a call from her doctor that's, and they said, they told her that she had cancer and that she needed surgery. I don't know what the percentage chance is that while one parent is having surgery for cancer that your other parent gets a call saying they have cancer, but I don't think, I don't think it's high. I hope not for most people. So then it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks because here I go again trying to start thinking about what can I do to fix this? What, what, what's the plan, what can I do? And I started in my own strength and I just felt so heavy because I was carrying it all on my shoulders. Now I was praying, but isn't it funny sometimes how you can be praying, but you're not actually giving it to God. You're just kind of telling God some things and then you take it back. And um, I was doing that. And so I wasn't proud of how heavy I felt and how I was responding to my family because I was just so weighed down with just the weight of it all and what I could do to fix it. But then God just showed me, he's like, Brandy, I am the light. I really had lost my light. My light was very diminished. And, um, and then I remembered, you know, as I was spending time with God, he just reminded me, you're not the light. I'm the light. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And I realize it's not actually what I can do at all to fix the situation. It's what God can do. 
And when I let his light shine, and when I trust him with not only my life, but the life of my parents, the life of my children, everything that concerns me, his light shines. And it pierces through the dark places in our heart and in our soul. You say, Brandy, how do you have your light? Why do you still have joy? Because I came to a moment where I said, God, I don't wanna be this way. I don't wanna feel this way. I don't wanna be mad anymore. I know that you love my parents and you're for them and you're gonna be with them. I know that God, that when you were with me, no one can stand against me. God, I know that there is no enemy that is too big that you cannot overcome. And so God, I just trust you. I trust you. Sometimes it's one thing to trust him with our own life. It's another thing to trust him with the life of our children, our grandchildren, our family members, our parents. But God says, I've got you. I've got you. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He's with me in the darkest circumstance and in the darkest moment. He wants to come and be with me and he wants to be the light. Sometimes we have to come to the place in life where we realize we're not the light. We don't have it. And it's when we put our trust in God that the light shines the brightest and that we understand God's plan and that he's for us and that we can put our trust in him. He is trustworthy and he is faithful. Maybe you don't understand today that you serve a very faithful God. And he wants to come wherever you're at, he sees you and he wants to come and meet with you. And whatever you're going through, he knows. So just give your cares to him. Let him carry it for you. Let his light shine. Again, we can't have joy on our own. We can only have it because his light shines in us. So today, I want you to just bow your heads with me. And close your eyes, no matter where you're at. If you're at one of our campuses, just bow your heads, close your eyes in our video venue. If you're at home, just take a moment and bow your head. I wanna ask everybody not to move around right now because we just wanna have a moment with God. You know, maybe this is something you've been thinking about for a while or maybe tonight you just realized what you're really missing is a relationship with Jesus. You want your joy, but you've just not known how to have it, but you realize joy is found in Jesus. And if that's you tonight, I just want you to pray this in your heart with me. Jesus, I'm sorry. I know I've missed the mark. I know I'm away from you. Just tell him, I surrender my life to you, God. I just wanna receive you. I give my life to you. I believe that you died for me and I accept you today as my personal Lord and Savior. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you, had, if you prayed that prayer with me tonight, I have a gift for you that I wanna give you. And so nobody's looking, but if you prayed that prayer with me, I just want you to raise your hand because I have a card for you because I wanna give you this gift. So if you prayed that prayer, if you would just raise your hand up high so that the ushers can see it. Just keep your hand lifted. There's ushers that are coming. They wanna have this gift that I wanna give you today. So make sure you get this card. We 
We're just gonna keep waiting. We're not in a hurry. I want everybody to get their card. But I want you to keep your heads bowed. And if you prayed that prayer with me, you're starting your relationship with Jesus tonight. And this is just the beginning. But if you prayed that prayer, I do have a gift for you. And so when I know that everybody's got their card, I wanna make sure everybody has their card first. you get that gift. I also want to pray for all of you. Lord, I just pray that, God, that you would come in and you would bring the joy that only you can bring, God. Lord, I pray that if there is a woman here that just has lost her joy, God, that, God, she would, her joy would be renewed, God that you would be her joy, that she would understand that true joy is only found in you, God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see you as our source, God, and be in your presence, because in your presence is fullness of joy. And Lord, I pray that we would experience the fullness of joy. And if there's someone in here and they've been without joy for a long time, I pray that you will yet fill their mouths with laughter and their lips with shouts of joy. I pray just a refreshing of your spirit upon these women, God, that they would leave here lighter. They might've come in heavy and burdened, God, but they would leave with their burdens lifted knowing that you're a good God and that no matter how dark their circumstances feel, that you are the light that shines and pierces through the darkness, God. And there's nothing that you can't do. Your hand is not too short to reach out into the hardest circumstances, God, and touch it and heal it. Healing that marriage that seems like it's just, it's gone. But God, you know where we're at. You know our hearts, God, and we know we can trust you with everything in our life, the most important things down to the trivial things that are just bothering us, that God, we just wanna, ah, God, you just give us peace. Give us peace to know that you're in every detail of our life, the big things and the small things, we can trust you with it all. And we thank you that you were good, that you love us and that you are a God that actually comes and meets with us, God. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.